0: Many of you have uh, asked about our daughter-in-law, Allie, uh, Allison, who's married to our son, Andrew. Uh, uh, You recall that four days after giving birth to her first child, she was diagnosed with cancer. Uh, This past week, uh, she reached the the halfway mark in her uh, series of treatments and the scans show that the, that the cancer has been reduced by half. So we are very, very grateful for that and are trusting God that the, uh, the next series of treatments will uh, eradicate that and just take that out of her body. Uh, Pat and I were with the family uh, down in Maryland Friday and Saturday, uh, they're doing very well. Uh, she tires, as you know people do, from uh, chemotherapy and has some uh, joint ache and pain, but uh, has a great attitude. And uh, they said to be sure and say thank you for the many, many cards and, uh, and the notes that they are receiving from this congregation, the gifts that you sent them, and of course the prayers that you, that you raise to God, naming them uh, for her comfort and her healing. So thanks for hearing that, and thanks for uh, being the people of God that uh, we know you are and have come to be so blessed by uh, across the many years of our association. As I told you last Sunday, I presented the first half of my sermon, Which Way Do You Lean? And so this morning we go into part two now. And I want you to remember just a few of the things that we said last week, how we pointed out that from the beginning of life, from the beginning of life, people of God, by His design, have been counterculture. By the design of God, by the intent, by the plan of God for the world, His people are counterculture. They are not designed, they are not created, they are not formed to to blend in. People of God do not want their goals and opinions and hopes and views to be those of the majority as represented by the world. God's people, as you are, Christians, are not to be encompassed by the world's philosophies. Without the truth of God to influence our decision-making, we're left to ourselves and we follow world systems. And when we do that, we quickly go into moral depravity. And that's what we see happening all around us today the Bible is God's word to us the Bible is God's word to us and through it we learn how to protect ourselves from the attacks of Satan Satan is the God of this age make no mistake about that he is the God of this age and his intent is to destroy God's creation. Satan wants God's glory and majesty. All the glory, all the honor, all the distinction that you give to God Almighty, Satan wants to own. He wants to possess that. He wants to to have that. Satan has set his sights on you folks and me. He has set his sights on us. And here's why. Because we are the pinnacle of God's creation. We are the highest that God has made. Psalm 8 makes that very, very clear. We are made little lower than the angels, the Bible says. Satan wants to bring down the glorious creation of mankind. And so he has set his sights on you and me. He wants to ruin what is God's best. And that's you. That's us. Now you say, well, how do you know that? Well, that's not just an idea that I have. It's knowledge that I have from the Word of God. And uh, I want to show you where, and you ought to jot this down so that you know this. When people say, well, how can you make that statement that uh, that there is a devil or that there is a Satan, all right? Then you say, okay, come with me, get your Bible, or let me show you in my Bible. We're going to go to Isaiah 14, and we're going to look at verses 13 and 14. But you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. And I will sit on the mount of the assembly in the recesses of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. There it is. Isaiah 14, 13. And 14, Christians live by inner response to God. They express their autonomy, that is their right to be self-governing, by choosing the word of God as the rule in their lives. Do you like to be told what to do? (laughs) Well, most of us, Think not, and yet when we get to the really hard areas of life, the really tough decisions, we often say, what should I do? Help me think this through. Do you have any answers for me? I want to remind you of the command from Proverbs 3, uh, Five, and, uh, five to eight that we looked at last Lord's Day. Uh, here it is. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. Then look at the next verse. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn from evil. It will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. Listen, whether it's the physical serpent tempting the woman in Eden or a spiritual serpent slithering around us, we must protect ourselves against the seduction of evil. You know what God did to the serpent, don't you? God cursed the serpent. That you can read about in Genesis 3. He cursed the serpent. And you and I have to participate in that crushing of Satan by our relationship to God through Christ. That means, then, in order to be equipped to do that, to crush the evil one, we need to internalize the Word of God. The best weapon to defend against sin is to know the Word of God, not some fuzzy, warm feeling that you got somewhere along the line in a Sunday school class or a a Bible school. Not a not a passing devotional thought, but an understanding of the Word of God. That's why Psalm one hundred nineteen, the eleventh verse, has this powerful statement: "Your word have I hidden in my heart, your word have I treasured in my heart, that I may not sin against you." Where do you build the protection? Where do you put the walls? We hear a lot about walls these days, don't we? Here's the wall. Here's the real wall, folks. Your word I have treasured in my heart that I may not sin against you. Now, I know I haven't read the announced scripture for this morning yet. So I'm going to do that right now, but I wanted you to hear those scriptures and be reminded of that truth before we read today's scriptures from the second letter of Paul to the Christians of Corinth, chapter 10, verses three to six. Here we go. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not the flesh. The weapons of our warfare are not the flesh, but divinely powerful, look at this, for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are, I wonder if this is where they got that. We are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And we are ready to punish all disobedience. Whenever your obedience is complete, what's that mean? That means that as Christians, we give no time, no passing glance, no consideration to the lies and false wisdom of culture. Our warfare. Our battle is to tear down whatever is exalted above God and bring that into captivity by Christ who is alive in us. You know, most problems, most problems that we have stem from an inability to say no to temptation. Satan's attacks, make no mistake about this, mark this down, don't forget this, carry it in your suit of armor, Satan's attacks are specific to you. They are for you. Satan is going to attack me differently than he attacks you. You know why? Because he knows my tendencies. He knows where I'm weak. Satan knows your tendencies. He knows what you're given to. He knows your secret thoughts. The things that you think no one else knows that are hidden in the deep, deep recesses of your being. He knows. Why do you think they keep coming up and you struggle with them? That's not God's will. God wouldn't do that to you. But Satan will. Satan will. That's why we're taking a look these two weeks at these critically important scriptures to strengthen us against his attack using our temptations. Satan's attack is direct and it is relentless. Don't you ever dare think he's backed away. That will not happen. His attacks are designed, as I say, according to your tendencies, according to your weaknesses, according to my tendencies and my weaknesses. And so our strategy against that evil one must be to renew our minds according to the word of Of God. We can't just think good thoughts, folks. We can't have a thought for the day mentality. We must be in the word. That's why we're developing all of these new groups and these new studies. I'm gonna be flat out honest with you. One of the things this staff is making sure of is that when you stand before the judgment seat of Christ, you will not be able to say that Dennis or Bud or David or Megan didn't tell us. If it's your choice to not come and not learn and not know, that's on you, that's not on us. We are doing everything we can to help you understand God's word, to make it a part of you, to renew your minds by this word of God and to equip you to deal with the temptations and the, and the destructive powers of Satan in your life. So our strategy has got to be, and this is biblical, the, the Bible tells us to renew our minds by having the mind of Christ in us. We renew our minds by the word of God, by the truth of God then, you see, we will be able to recognize lies that lead us into sin and, and lies we all use to rationalize our own sin. And that we're going to have to deal with. And I have a theory that that's the reason a lot of people aren't deep into Bible study because they are afraid that the Bible is going to point out something to them about themselves that they already know but don't want to acknowledge. When you're tempted, call up the Word of God. Quote the Word of God to yourself against the temptation, against the evil that you're being drawn to. As a Christian woman, as a Christian man, crush the power of evil. Do not let it rob you of joy and peace. The truth of Scripture, the truth of Scripture in you is your only sure defense against yielding to temptation and falling into sin and bearing a load of guilt. Every day, every day you and I Need to make a battle plan with God. (laughs) We really do, you know. Maybe it's easy for you all, but but I'll tell you what. Even though I have worked at the church for five decades, I've never felt myself insulated or protected from the temptations and the and the, the the draws. Of the world, so what are we, what are we going to do? Well, every day we're going to make a battle plan with God, and I want to give you seven things this morning that will that will help you. Now, I'm, we're not putting them up on the up on the screen, uh, so if you want to make some notes, it would be a good idea. But I want to give you seven things that will help you uh, to have a battle plan with God for your daily lives. Number one, review in your mind what is true. Review in your mind what is true. Ask God to fill your heart with truth and then to expose in your heart any lies that you are tempted to believe. Review what is true. Ask God to fill your heart with truth and then expose in your heart any lies you are tempted to believe. Number two, commit to doing what is right regardless of what anyone else says or does. Allow the righteousness of Christ to shine through you. Commit to doing what is right regardless of what anyone else says or does and allow the righteousness of Christ to shine through you. Number three, ask God to use you in the lives of others. Ask God to use you in the lives of others as your conduct and speech can accurately represent you in love and calm. Ask God to use you in the lives of others through conduct and speech that accurately represents you with love and calm. Number four, every day, at the beginning of the day, say to the Lord, My faith is in you, Lord. My faith is in you, Lord. Apart from you, I can do nothing. And then this. This is so important. Say, by faith in you, I claim victory over these temptations. And then you list your temptations. By faith in you, I claim victory over these temptations. And then you list the temptations that you have, and especially those that you may be anticipating that day. We all have an agenda. Number five. Say to God, I surrender my will and my thoughts to you today. I surrender my will and my thoughts to you today. I choose to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. I choose to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. That's our text for this morning. Number six, claim the promises of Scripture for you. Claim the promises of Scripture for you. Number seven, get going. And go rejoicing that God has chosen you to represent him. Go rejoicing that God has chosen you to represent him. And may Satan be worried that you belong to Jesus. Let me change that now after you've got it written down, just let me ask you a question. Let me change it to an interrogative. As you sit here and worship this morning, do you think Satan is worried because you're a Christian? Did you ever think of that? Do you think Satan is worried Because you belong to Jesus. Or does he flip you off? (laughs) Are you kidding me? Her? Him? No sweat with that one. Every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. You, the vessel containing the light, the love of Jesus. Now I'm almost done, but I want to tell you That what I've said this morning, and in particular, this list of seven. I have not given you a way to psych yourself up. And if any of you think it's just psyching yourself up, you are wrong. This is not psyching you up. This is not an exercise in positive thinking. This is about having confidence in Jesus Christ, the one you name as Savior and call Lord who leads you. This is about belonging to Jesus and understanding that apart from him, you can do nothing. I think the, the, the biggest concern and worry I have about the church today, ours, here, and all churches, is that they're filled with people who have become comfortable. They're filled with people who have become comfortable. We have our religious routines and we don't vary. This morning will be a great example. People, some of you have told me the temperature is going up, it's thawing. I can tell you right now that people who didn't come to this worship service because of weather I will not have more than three of them at 10.45. You know why? Because our routine says that we go at nine on Sunday and we don't vary. We have money counters who won't attend worship when they're counting money. They won't come to the early service because that's not their service. So they just come and count money and then go home. That's comfort. That's comfort. And I know that some of you, even though David has made very appealing announcements the last last Sunday and today about exciting, wonderful new things, You've already written that off. You've already dismissed that because that will interfere with what you like to do. Well, if that's the case, understand. Understand, that's your choice. And you can indeed make that choice. But none of your pastors are responsible for you not knowing the word of God. Understand that too. Now that's hard, but that's the way it is. We have been lulled to lethargy. And lethargic churches translate to a weak society. And a very vulnerable country. Which way do you lean? Let's pray. Our Father and our God, your word, not mine, is what brings conviction upon us. And I pray that we understand that it is it is your holy spirit that brings the conviction that that brings thoughts that that we have to struggle with through the words of the communicator the pastor preacher I thank you, Lord, for entrusting me with your word and each of the pastors on this staff. And I pray that we will always speak truth so that your people can live truth and that we will walk together for your glory and honor. Never. Never having to be ashamed in the great name of Jesus we pray, amen